some stuff accomplished that I didn't think I was going to be able to do as quickly as I was able to do it. So overall, oh, good week. Yeah, that's good. Either people felt like they got stuff done faster than they expected, or it was the exact opposite for the hackathon this past weekend. It was like, yeah. oh my God, things are way harder than I remember. <laughs> I believe that because the reason why I was so fearful of what lied in store for me this week is because of some hacky stuff I had to do to make Turbo work a certain way which is now moot because of the latest update. But I was still like, if this is like any indication of what's to come, it's going to be a hell week. And thankfully <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but I did have to write jQuery. So oh, beautiful. not a great yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. What were you doing with it? I'm making this really complex data table, basically. Oh, not, okay. So to not leak anything about what it is, basically I want to be able to click on a dropdown with a list of links. And then when I click a certain link, the dropdown is replaced with a form. So still an open dropdown, but it's like a form yeah. is just appears. And that form is tailored to that specific link that you clicked or button mm -hmm. you clicked. Mm -hmm. So like you click name button and maybe it has name fields or something. And you click last name and it whatever, random sure. example. So sure. you can probably already envision the issue if I'm using Turbo, right? I'm clicking on a button and I want it to go to the server and return a form with a turbo frame and I don't want UI to be janky and I don't want the dropdown to be janky and I like need to have it opened when the frame loads in. But when you click an item in the dropdown with bootstrap, it automatically closes. And mm, I yep. don't know how I like came up with this idea, but I basically just stuck a stimulus control. I don't know. My ideas for like trying to do this, like I was like, there's no way I can use the bootstrap dropdown. And I went down this rabbit hole of like, oh, well, what if I use Tippy? And I'm like, okay, but this is like a pain in the ass to work with. And I'm like, ugh, rabbit hole, rabbit hole, rabbit hole. And I'm like, what if I just added a stimulus controller onto the frame that gets loaded in and have a basically an uninitialized event to open the dropdown? So you open the dropdown, the list of links appears, you click the one you want to open the certain form you want, and it goes to the server and is like, hey, I need this form, HTML, it sends it back via TurboStream, and then as soon as it's loaded into the DOM, the stimulus controller activates to like reopen it. It's actually, as long as like the server latency is not large, it's actually, there is no flash of content. So... I'm relatively yeah. happy with it as is. It can be improved, certainly. This works and it looks like we want it to work. And I'm sure there will be maybe edge cases. And like I did run into something weird that I was able to fix. But so far, it just works, man. I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of those where I can definitely see using turbo frames for those little tiny things. It's a pretty cool little approach where you have like a, an endpoint that just returns a small form or some tiny right. little thing. We had a Rails hackathon entry that is called Context, and it's for learning Spanish and English. So it would like display a paragraph of like a story, and certain sentences in there would be like in Spanish. And there were That's a turbo cool. frame, and if you click it, it's a link, and it would load the English version of it. So you could like see if you had successfully translated it like you thought it right. was. And I thought that was a crafty little example of. You know yeah. what a tiny little turbo frame can do 
no JavaScript, just render right. a little view with that, which I thought was sweet. You did have to use JavaScript. If it's a get request, that's what was screwing me up so much because I'm having to write now these weird JavaScript things to automatically insert the turbo header and then on a fetch request and then do the turbo stream. And it's mm. like, I have now written this code three times. And at one <laughs> point when I was writing it for the form, I was like, oh, wait, I forgot about the cross-site security. Yes. Okay. Before everyone raises, yes, I know I can use, use JS or the other one, request JS or whatever. It's not the point. Yeah. But I was like, I need the cross-site scripting token in here if I'm going to submit the form this way. And I was like, okay, well, how would I get that? And before I could even think about it, Copilot auto-completed uh. to like pull it straight <laughs> from the head with a document selector. And I was like, well, at least someone's, someone else has done this before. Yeah. Someone else has also committed these crimes, so yeah, it's okay yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how I felt about it. So, but now it sounds like that is fixed or updated. And you can do, turbo. you can get turbo streams back from get requests now, which was not finally. a thing previously. Yep. Finally, finally, finally. Yeah, there's a lot of little things that got improved in it that are kind of like really, really major things. Because one of the nice parts about that is like, you can now make links open up a modal really easy, whereas they were kind of tricky before. It's simplified a lot of little things here and there. The confirm await stuff I wrote got merged in and finally released, even though I know I made that video like forever ago. Marco and Sean's extraction or exposing of stream actions now lets you like write custom ones, which is sweet. You can now make a turbo stream action that does anything. And you can put custom data attributes on the turbo stream as well. So you can pass parameters in. So if you want to do anything at all broadcasted from the server, like render a browser, native browser notification, you can do that. You can do all kinds of stuff, which is sweet. That was one of the first things that I asked DHH if he'd consider that way back when turbo got released. And he was like, no, but I'm glad he reconsidered that and allowed it now because the first thing Marco did was go and add that Turbo Morph library that just extends it and adds Morph instead of just using a raw like replace element stuff that the update does right now. It'll morph and actually be smart about it. And I think persist your focus states and everything. So there's some really cool improvements. Lots of little other things like you can visit and you can call Turbo Visit but pass in a frame now. And it'll like do that, which is sweet. Yeah. The other thing I liked is that the support for data turbo action on links, that is nice. And the one that is like sneaky, but I ran into is allowing the additional attributes on the turbo stream action tags helper. Yes. That's very nice. Cause I was like, very oh, nice. wait, why is this not doing things? Oh, wait, now I need to nest a div in here. So that's great. Thank you, Marco. I'm pretty sure that was his contribution. Yeah, I think so. I know I saw that during the hackathon because somebody was asking about it. And yeah, it is a big list of bug fixes and a lot of new features. It's probably, well, I think the man himself tweeted that it was like the biggest major release since Turbo came out. And it is certainly very, very good. Yeah, but, 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 but I was talking to you before this call and I was like, yeah, I like, cause I was talking to Jamie, our CTO yesterday. And I was like, I'm having to do like some really hacky stuff here. This turbo release just came out. I kind of want to spend like a few hours tomorrow, just upgrading turbo, make sure everything still works, run through all the new things, see where we can improve the code that we've written. And he was like, yeah, do it. 
So that's what I was doing this morning and went great, man. Everything was great. And then I deployed, like tried to deploy to reduction and it broke because of an uglifier error that I saw in the past. And the last time I saw it, I pinned it to a ref and it just worked. All right. So this morning I'm like assuming that ref is now inside of the code pace. So I go and I'm like just happy along my way and the build fails. Same uglifier error. I'm like, all right, well, what are they suggesting in the issues? Okay. Remove the uglifier gem because I don't think this is actually true, but this is what someone put. And now I'm realizing might not be true is that, oh, because now it's coming from Hotwire itself. That's not true because when I remove the gem, now I'm getting a uglifier, not initialized. Like we don't know what this constant is thing. And I'm like, so now I'm just reverting two PRs and like apologizing profusely for breaking the bills for like the past hour. (laughs) Yeah, that's some fun stuff. I know you don't use uglifier with... Most of the ES build stuff. Maybe it still right. goes through that in the asset pipeline. I don't remember. I option. I don't know if it's the default anymore, though. Yeah, I, it might be. I can't remember. Because all I can remember about that was like having to turn on harmony mode as true or whatever in the past with a bunch of stuff that wasn't like ES build or whatever. ES whatever compatible that right. fire needed and more like modern syntax didn't really like work with it or something. Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah. And that stuff that's all like, you don't ever interact with it directly. It's just there behind the scenes. And so when it breaks, you're like, what is this? Why is this even here? What does it do? Yeah. That gets to be frustrating when those things that you've never interacted with and you don't know they even are there do different things. Cause like we found similar thing like that, the SAS or SAS Rails gem. In the initializer, we'll check and see if Rails Env is production and it will change the way that things works. So like in staging, if you have Rails Env staging, it just doesn't do anything different than development. But then when you go from staging to production, it's different for no reason. And you're like, what the heck? And you eventually track it down to that gem, change some configuration just for production mode. And it's like, I would prefer I get to choose that and... Those are the reasons I think why everybody recommends run Rails Env as production in your staging environment. Just use environment variables or Rails credentials to change the email or whatever stuff that's going on that you need to change for staging. Because, yeah, you will find weird things that seem like they should work and then production sound all of a sudden. Yeah, but here's a hot take. If you really care about your staging and production environment being the same... Just use the production environments. What are you scared of? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you use feature flags and stuff, roll it out just employees, then roll it out to 10% of random people. And that's pretty common. So just test in production. Yep. (laughs) Well, how did the hackathon go? It was good. There was like 84 teams that started. 25 of them submitted projects, which... Is lower than I would like, but it was also a remote hackathon. We weren't all in person and life gets in the way for a lot of people I know. So it turned out great. There were some killer projects in there. Did you get to take a look at any of them? I looked at a few that you tweeted this morning and I was like, this is sick. Now I need yeah. to steal their code. Yes, yeah, we're kind of testing what it would be like to do a hackathon with actual prizes. Like this year, we didn't do any prizes, just kind of these awards of judge's favorite and things like that. But when you actually give away prizes, you got to like have a lawyer 
and all of that stuff, legal things for giveaways. And today I learned why. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then people abuse things and try and cheat and whatever. So we didn't want to do that. We just wanted this to be fun for people. So that is what we ended up doing. And like some of the top projects were super impressive. So we picked type fighters as the winner of the judge's favorite because it was the one we had the most fun using and it is awesome. It's like a typing competition between you and somebody else and you like get phrases or sentences given to you and you join these rooms and it knows who's ready and who's idle and then you get given a bunch of these little things. You type them. They've got all these like animations that are written using a stimulus controller and like they have a big image of sprites or whatever for the characters and it'll move the height and width of what it's displaying like show the animations which is cool and they did all that in a stimulus controller and turbo streams for broadcasting stuff which was awesome did a really cool job i'll post a link to the we posted a page with the winners for this year that was type fighters and i think it was two people that from italy that had met for the first time through the hackathon which is cool to have teams of strangers building things together over the weekend. I'll have to post, well, I got to download it from Zoom and edit it and upload it. But we had a little live stream the other day on Zoom with everybody and they got to like walk through and share what they built and just tell us about it, which is super cool. So I'll have to share that when I get the chance to edit it. Next one was Jim Jones's Checkpoint Rails. Did you see that one? Cool. I thought this one was really cool. Yeah, we really liked it. Was there a repo for it? I think he's open sourcing it. So the way we did it was private repos for every team. In case you wanted to build something that you wanted to turn into a business, like we didn't want to open source that and force you to do that. So all the repos are private and then people can go and open source it on their own. So I think he's He turned into an engine. That's really cool. Yep. So you can like mount that to your Rails app and effectively what this will do is enables trace point and it's kind of like you can get callbacks or whatever for events that happen in your Ruby code. So it'll tell you these things that are happening. Like this method was called and it returned this and all these details about the internals of what's happening in your Ruby script. And he took that integrated it with Rails, turns it on when a controller action starts and stops and turns it off when it ends. So then you can see all the functions that get called in your controller, your models, your helpers, your views, see all of the local assigned variables and your partials, everything. And it is a super cool thing. And it reminded me of, have you ever heard of Brett Victor? He worked at Apple a long time ago. Nine years ago, he gave a talk called Inventing on Principle. And we'll post that in the show notes as well. But I showed this to Colin over the weekend as well. And his talk kind of is about providing creators like developers and everyone who's creating things like immediate feedback on stuff. So like he's showing you a game that's like Mario and you have the character jump on a shell and then he can change gravity and show like where the character will bounce to and how high they will go and stuff. So he like 
built this little special editor where you can pause it and it will show all of the frames since he started recording and he can go back in time and like project how it will go. So you can then change and tweak gravity and show all these frames of the character and like he'll go higher. And if I change it, he'll jump lower if I have higher gravity and stuff like that. And it is a very similar concept to what I feel like checkpoint rails was where it's like, Hey, you know what? If we could even eventually show this in your browser or in your text editor, I mean, where you write this controller action and it can simulate a request to that right in your editor and show you that this is going to have an error because your user query isn't right. Or maybe the user's not signed in. So this is going to fail because you forgot to put authenticate user at the top or something. Those little things make it so that programming, especially like Rails and whatever else that you have to like imagine these things happening in your head. And you have to imagine that this at user variable is like an instance of the user class and it's not a active record relation because that I know was a very confusing thing to a lot of people that you're learning Rails and you're a junior and you're beginning and you like write user where email is this. And when you read that, you think that user where email is that is just going to return you one user. And that's maybe true, but the active record relation is like an array and you actually have to grab the first item out of that array. And they might assign the variable to at user and assume that it's just going to give you a single instance, but it's actually giving you an array of one instance And that stuff gets really tricky because you don't actually see those variables until it blows up. Until there's a big red error and you're freaked out. They're like, oh, I did something wrong. And it's hard to analyze. So something like this is kind of doing that same inventing on principle stuff where it's showing you like, here's the variables on every line of code that happened to return this, assign this variable of that, whatever. And it really is nice because then you can see all the steps of the way what's happening. I was super impressed with that. He also did that all by himself all weekend so that he uh, won the best solo award and then also was able to get the most people to vote for him. So we got the uh, community favorite too. We left votes open for, I don't know, till Wednesday evening or something and uh, let people vote. And we gave you like a top five and the top one would get five points. The second one would get four points. And that way you could kind of maybe more evenly distribute those points. So it wasn't the total number of votes. It was like the votes and their ranking for everything. So yeah, that was a killer one. Whether US East 1 is down or you forgot to add a configuration file, everyone has an outage from time to time. When your next outage occurs, transparency is critical. The difference between a minor annoyance that people soon forget and a fiasco that creates sustained resentment is in how you communicate. That's why you need Honey Badger. Honey Badger will be a crucial component of your incident response plan with their uptime monitoring service that now has an exciting new feature, public status pages. Create a new status page with custom domains, branding, and more. Don't let Twitter be the only way your users can find out if your app is down. Sign up for Honey Badger to improve your incident response with a shiny new status page that you will be proud to show your users. Visit honeybadger.io and start giving your users a better experience today and let them know Remote Ruby sent you. Thanks to Honey Badger for their continued support of Remote Ruby. The Airtable clone is really cool. Yeah, that one we had to include because it was basically like a production-ready thing. The 
Airtable clone called Hot Table was a killer submission. So they had kind of the powerhouse team. It was Joel, Marco, and Steven. So they were all working on this. And I think Joel streamed for several hours on Twitch and we watched part of that live during the weekend. And he was working on building Flex components for stuff and then found bugs from Flex that he went to go fix. And so this is like a bunch of cool turbo stuff to build. Kind of like you were saying, a data tables thing. This is like more than that too, though, because you can go and create your, I don't know what you call them at the top, the views, but it's kind of like, like a segment almost. Yeah, it's kind of capturing height and show fields, sorting filters and groups and storing them all so you can easily jump back to them. It's sweet. And then they've even got like summaries at the bottom so you can see the average rating of every single book in the entire database or whatever. There's impressive stuff. What I like too is like you interact with these things. So if you, for example remove one of the fields and you set that, it will go and update the URL and it uses Ransack behind the scenes for all of this, but it will update the URL. So then you can copy paste that and give it to somebody else. So it's using everything the browser gives you. And what's cool is then you can copy paste that. It doesn't work at a certain point because URLs have a maximum length, which is actually super cool because Jacob Daddario did a similar thing to this, but use the session to store all the filters and things. Right. It also has a maximum limit because cookies have a maximum length too, yep. but it was a neat one too, where you, you could store it in a different location. You could store it in Redis or your database right. or something else. It was cool to see the mixture of those. It feels like a complete application that they shipped like production worthy. Yeah. Sweet, sweet app. I have yeah, to say. That was- and very impressive. I'm gonna have to go find that live stream because I almost said like I would love to have been like a fly on the wall as they were building this. It sounds like you can be. Yeah, at least for whatever he was working on. I don't know that they did any more of that. They spent a lot of time hacking through all that. And there is a lot of cool things like exporting as well that you can easily miss. There's so much detail here. Yeah, it's so cool. So yeah, we made a special award for them, the most flexible flex right. spelled yeah, like P-H-L-E-X because we had to do something for them. It was killer. Last one we did for fun, old Kent in our Discord always making puns and stuff. So he, he had Kentstagram. His team name was I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. And mm-hmm. we gave him the Can't Believe He Finished Award. Nice. <laughs> Love it. So it was a really good weekend. There was so many good projects. These are just a few of them, but go through the top 10 of them or more, and you'll be impressed with a lot of these. Just so many good ideas. There's a great little wallet balance management thing that's got creating categories and adding to and from different wallets and adding expenses and everything. It's sweet. It is a whole finance tracker that they built in the weekend. It's wild. Did you see any any usage of Turbo that you're like, wow, that is really surprising and I never would have thought to do that? I'm trying to think. We didn't read through all the code on some of them. So more of what we saw was like, whoa, I didn't even realize you could build, you know, like the Type Fighter game. We were like, dang, they didn't write very much JavaScript and they have this like multiplayer game. And they're like, holy crap. There were some that used 
custom stream actions, which were awesome. I feel like I was fairly familiar with a lot of this already, so maybe didn't have as much of like a, whoa, I didn't know you could do that feeling from it because I'm already pretty familiar with all that. But it is great to see like people taking advantage of the new stuff because luckily the RC1, the RC1 had some regression in it, so RC2 came out. And I think maybe RC3, whenever that came out, was either during, maybe it was after the weekend or right before but anyways, like we were able to use all of that new functionality if you wanted to during the hackathon. And it's nice because it all worked with import maps and some people use yes build or whatever, but you could use whatever you wanted. So nice. yeah, I mean, it's good to look through these and kind of like watch the network requests and stuff and you'll see exactly what's going on. Use your browser's inspector and poke around right. and you'll see some of that. We're just surprised how simple some of those things can be, like the context having the Spanish-English translations. It's literally the tiniest turbo frame, and you click it, and voila, it shows that. And that was one that kind of got me being like, man, there's some creative uses that you can do with the tiniest turbo frames, where your your view for it is a one-liner, basically, with a turbo frame wrapped around it. It's sweet, so... Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one that caught my eye was as a creative use. It wasn't like anything special, but it was like, you can use it for really small stuff, which I feel like if you compare them to turbo frames to iframes, you're like, you can bet a whole thing here, but it's really not necessary. You can do a lot of small, unique stuff with it. Right. That's cool. So yeah, it was a fun weekend. We had a good time doing the live stream and catching up with everybody afterwards. I think the plan next year will be, we would like to live stream throughout. Right. Start, do it at the beginning. We'd like to go maybe Saturday or Sunday and check in with any teams that want to like show off their progress or something. We kind of just were heads down and let them work this time around. But I think we'll try and be a little bit more invasive and see who wants to live stream with us and show off their work, but it was cool. Lots of new f people making friends and whatever. Nice. Which is the whole point of the hackathon. So yeah, I think it was a success. Yeah. Doing like a long live stream would be really fun. Bring your boy back to St. Louis. I'll host. I was going to ask you like how much you and Colin were having to do in terms of like maybe support, maybe, or were you kind of just like watching? We didn't know. So we were going to like build something ourselves over the weekend and participate too, but we weren't sure what it would need from support and all that. It was really fun because Marco knows everything about Turbo yeah. and Stimulus. So he would help other teams in this Discord. And, you know, it was great to see them taking some time out from their project to help each other and whatnot. So I'd love to have more people mentoring in Discord or just like, jumping in for an hour or two just to hang out and whatever. Like if you want to do that, that'd be awesome. It would feel a bit more cohesive if we had a long live stream over the weekend. It doesn't have to be live the entire time, but it would be really cool. We have settled with the idea of what if we made a checkers game? Um, yeah, I think and I was, that, or maybe you did. Yeah, I like got the checker board rendering in Tailwind. And then we were like, eh, this is going to take a lot of time. So we're yeah. like, just in case, let's like run the hackathon more than participate. So we got a little bit away into it and then just kind of paused. But 
Yeah, that would make it feel more cohesive next time around is having maybe just a Zoom call that's running the whole weekend and people can jump in and out and stuff. I tried to stream from Zoom to YouTube and I couldn't get it to connect. It like authorized and it was like, hey, you you didn't give us permissions. And I was like, but you just asked for permissions. You have private relay on? I have no idea. I couldn't figure it out. If you do, I bet that's why. So if you do, I bet that's why. Because I ran into mm. an authorization issue with Heroku CLI the other day that really ran my brain through a ringer for a few minutes until I finally was like, it's got to be a VPN or something. Because I had some error about <laughs> like, you're trying to access this from the wrong IP address. And I'm like, what? And, and yeah. suddenly it just finally clicked. I was like, wait, I have private relay on. And that's what it was. As soon as I turned it off, it worked. And I was like, Thank you. Heroku. Was that a YouTube setting or a Zoom no, on setting? your computer? Oh, like hmm. in your, we're going to do it. When live. I would click like stream to YouTube, it would just go to a Google off page or something right. for YouTube. And then it, on that page, it would say like, you don't have permissions for this. Or it may have been the Zoom page. So, okay, so maybe that's I don't know. not what it is, but it would be, I if, think it was different. Yeah. But if you, for people who are like, wait, maybe this is, something I'm running to, if you go into system preferences on your Mac and then click like your Apple ID icon on the top right, it will pull down like a list of settings on the right. And one of them should be private relay beta. So just for anyone listening. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll have to figure that out and see what was going on there, but it was a blast. I think we may end up just doing a couple times a year, honestly. It yeah. was a lot of fun. So I was going to ask that. Why wait a full year? Yeah, and I don't think there's any reason not to. I think if we were to give out prizes and stuff, it would be a nightmare to organize. So I know that like the Rails Rumble would create Heroku repositories for you because one of the issues is you finish coding and then like some people push something very last minute that broke a bunch of stuff or whatever. And like they're just rushing and miss something important. How do you deal with that and make it fair? And then everybody has to deploy their code and push it up to GitHub. And you really need to keep track of if it's running on Heroku, we want to make sure it's deploying the same commit and we're reviewing the same commit that's in GitHub and you haven't done extra work and pushed it up to Heroku and cheated a bit. So I think it's just like a real pain to go that in depth. And so if we can get by with giving out these awards that are not actual monetary prizes and stuff, then like we can do this a lot more often and it'll be way more fun for everybody. I think it's way less stress, way less work and like just emphasizes more of the stuff we want to emphasize, which is like, Hey, let's go learn hotwire this weekend. So like there are people who had never used it before and they're not going to have the best submission, but they're going to have learned hotwire and spent a bunch of time with new people in the community and made friends. And that's what it to me is all about. And so I don't really care as much about, giving the winners $500 in AWS credit and whatever else. Right. So I think if we keep it to that and if everybody's okay with that, which it sounds like people who enjoyed it absolutely are, we'll just keep doing that and we can do it once a quarter or something. One idea I had was related to your deployment thing is that if you were to set up a dev container folder file thing for every single project, like and just hand it to them and be like, hey, this has like Redis and... Postgres and, you know, whatever, just baked into it, then you could run it straight from GitHub 
Ooh, like, yeah. for every yep. single project and then you wouldn't have to deploy it. So that might be an idea to save some time because if you can create a basic one that works for almost everyone and people who want to add extra stuff can go do that, yep. obviously. I mean, yep. it's not like it's going to take that much longer than it would to provision it on the server. Yeah, so. I like that a lot. And I think that it would be cool too to have a... We were talking about this. Is it fair to go and start with the free jumpstart template or something? Right. Like, yeah, you know, not really. There's some frustrations there that like, hey, this would be a lot less painful to start your hackathon application if device was finally updated to work with Turbo. So right. I think next time around, it would be ideal if we could have that so that users could be off so really easily and you could have that working without any searching for blog posts or videos on workarounds and whatever. I would definitely like that where it's like we could have a repo that's got Rails new run for you. You have GitHub Actions already set up, so you don't have to fiddle with that. It'll run mini tests or just rake or whatever by default and a dev container and whatever else. That would be sweet and would be really convenient just to save people some time. Cause like we realized halfway through that like it's pretty easy for you to end up spending the entire first day setting up authentication and all this stuff like bootstrap and or tailwind and whatever and your models and everything before you can even start to use hotwire yeah so it was like naturally like three hours at least at least like an easy three hours just on those three things you just mentioned and if i was like yeah. hey how long is it gonna take you to do that like probably like three or four hours at least and on the weekend like that might be like the extent you're even thinking about doing it that day so yeah it was kind of a naturally a hard challenge just because you need a lot set up before you can even use Hotwire here. So the ones who built these apps and even shipped anything at all were tremendously awesome. I think it was a big success. And I think maybe next time we won't have any theme. It's like, just build whatever you want. This time I thought it would be good to try a theme like Hotwire yeah. or something. But honestly, build whatever kind of Rails app you want. You could build real-time stuff. You don't have to. There's no need for that. So I think we'll try to change it up each time or something. Yeah. But just experiment and see what happens. But I know some people is like a birthday weekend or had a wedding to go to or whatever, and they couldn't attend. So I also think having a, at least twice a year would be fun so that we can right. hopefully have more people attend or rotate people in and whatever. But yeah, it was fun. You might want to add, if you're going to do that. Like you might want to add, some categories because I like if you don't add any when you go to judge how are you going to judge how can you compare like a real-time turbo application with a generic rails app that does something like crazy yeah so that might be it yeah we'll probably have to have some sort of theme to them or whatever to judge against that's true so yeah it was a blast i really missed the meeting people and the camaraderie and stuff of the hackathon and it was nice to bring that back a bit yeah. Programming can be lonely, especially if you work from home. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the teams, the Type Fighters team, I think they said that they're both from Italy, if I remember right. And they had never met each other before. So it was cool to see almost neighbors meet each yeah. other. <laughs> that's cool. So we're, we're getting close here and I'm not going to leak everything, but Uh-oh. I will say... S- something spicy? I have started pairing with Nate Hopkins again on the weekends. Nice. Yeah. What do you do? So, I mean, he's working on it. 
just like in 2019 when I first met Nate, it's kind of like the same thing all over. I'm I even joke, dude, I'm ready to return to the glory days. Let's fire it up. <laughs> of like him doing really cool stuff and me sitting there giving opinions, but not as much code writing, but just like learning and kind of ingesting and taking it. Yeah. And yeah. then like, well, there's like, I can do other stuff, right? Like maybe I can't contribute exactly to this library, but like I can do, there are other things that I'm really good at. And so I don't know, it might be something on the horizon to look for. A new open source library, sounds like? Maybe. No leaks. No leaks. I'm just saying in the near future, I think something cool is coming out. So Sweet. Uh, I think I want to have Nate on podcast to talk about when that does happen to talk about it. So absolutely, yeah, pay attention. There's cool stuff coming down the pipeline. That is exciting. I love doing stuff like that. Just watching somebody else build and learning how they think through problems and stuff is yeah amazing. I love watching videos of like Gary Bernhardt's destroy all software videos of him yep. building like a text editor. And I'm like, holy crap. I don't know how to begin to do that. And then I watch him do it and make decisions along the way. And you're like, wow, this isn't that hard. But if I looked and said, oh, let me just go build a prototype of Vim this weekend, I wouldn't know where to begin. And you can just learn that from watching people. Yeah, That's where I'd start. (laughs) Yes. So that sounds awesome. I'm excited to see what comes of this mysterious project. Yeah. I love Nate's death. I think he got me kind of where I am today. Obviously, I did some of it, but he was like the first one in the community to ever be like, yo, little bro, I'm building cool stuff. You want to come work on it with me? And then seeing there was potential in me and being like, hey, I want you to come work with me. And then we built really cool stuff together. We created communities. I'm going to go on a limb here. I think we were kind of like on the forefront of creating Discord specifically for gem communities. So when I often think about when I was working at CodePhone, Nate and Eric, I'm like, those were like the glory days. Those are the days I like reminisce on. And I'm like, that was like so much fun, even though there was so much other stuff going on in my life at that time. But I'm like, there's so much joy, so much curiosity, so much enthusiasm and just like this love for building things with Rails. And I miss that a lot. And hopping on a call with Nate at like seven in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday with like a coffee in my hand. I don't know, man. It it makes me happy. It feels good. That speaks to me. The sort of R&D kind of work, building something new is far and above what I get the most enjoyment out of. I love doing that. And your day-to-day is fun too. That's maintenance kind of work. You're like making things work and fixing bugs and like just not being like, oh, what if we could reinvent this whole process and make it like a new abstraction. You don't do that on your day job like you wish you could. So I'm with you. They are a good rejuvenation of the joy of building stuff. Yeah. I love building libraries. I love developer experience. I love building tools a lot more than I like building forms all day. And so (laughs) I'm not burnt out at all. I would say right now, like I'm really happy at Podia. Things are great. My mental health is good. My health is good. My six month anniversary rolled around a few weeks ago and it was like the first time where I was like six months already. Yeah, I know it's crazy, but I was like, this is the first time, like number one, this is already longer than a few jobs I've had. Number two, I'm like, this is the first time that my six months has rolled around and I haven't been like, yeah, maybe I can start looking, see what's out there. I don't have the jitters this time. So I'm like really happy on that end and I'm fulfilled at work. 
But there was like this piece missing. I'm still like hacking on crack on the weekends and dragging myself insane. And it was really nice to just be like, hey, dude, you want to like do this thing all over again that we did once and build tools and work together and have that camaraderie and hack on stuff and just build tools for the joy of building things. It's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah, it is. Well, that's exciting, man. I'm glad that's starting up again because good things come out of those types of activities. Absolutely. I mean, Nate has always been the one behind the majority of the code, right? But like what we were able to accomplish together last time we paired up was big. And I'm hoping we can do it again. Let's see it. Get to work. Yep. So pay attention. Things are on the horizon. Good. I'm excited. Well, hopefully we don't have to wait too long. Hopefully it's not saying a stimulus to release that we're waiting for. Oh, oh, (laughs) whoops. Oh, wait, hold on. You leaked it. Hold on, get that out. Get that out. It's going to take forever. Yeah. (laughs) Well, cool, man. Glad the hackathon went well. Yeah. Well, good catching up. We will be back next week. Probably, possibly with Jason. Possibly. Maybe. See you then. Bye. Bye.